Welcome to the Streaming Screaming Horror Movie Review Podcast right here with this guy, Stephen Lancaster, the place where you get a horrific dose of everything you need to know about that movie you just might want to see next. On this episode, I'm talking the new Ethan Hawke horror movie, The Black Phone. Was it all it was made out to be? The answer to that question, my personal feelings, minor spoilers, and a trivia coming right up. So first off, where can you watch it? Where can you watch The Black Phone? Well, unless you want to pay $19.99 to rent it, head on over to the streaming service Peacock where it is free. That's where my wife and I watched it. It is free on Peacock. So what is the story? What is the story of the black phone? Well, we have Finney Blake, a shy but clever 13-year-old boy who is abducted by a sadistic killer and trapped in a soundproof basement where screaming is of no use. When a disconnected phone on the wall begins to ring, Finney discovers that he can hear voices of the killer's previous victims. And they are dead set on making sure that what happened to them doesn't happen to our dear Finney. The infamous mask that seems about the only thing creating an interest in this movie is attached to the character Ethan Hawke plays. And that character is known as the Grabber. I love Ethan Hawke. Sinister was a fantastic movie. And in many ways, the Black Phone has a lot of nuances that almost places this film in a shared universe. Out the gate, I'm going to say that this movie wasn't quite sure what it wanted to be. Was it a thriller? Was it a mystery? Was it horror? It was all of those things, but with a stronger leaning towards a murder mystery. And let me be the first to tell you, you will be scratching your head more than once by the end of this film. Typically, nostalgia is a mix of longing and joy and melancholy. But when you grew up in the era like I did of Stranger Danger, that longing might have a bloody raw edge festering with lingering nightmares. And I'm saying that because I don't think the youth of today can relate to the black phone as much as the older crowd can. You know, the black phone calls back to fearing the unmarked van, the neighbors whispering, the the infamous boogeyman appearing at any moment to whip away your freedom and, and take you away from your family. But this is really a grim tale of a serial killer who targets kids. The Black Phone has some twisted ideas, it has some clever turns, but it doesn't really rattle you like I think it's trying to. It, it, it fails at that. In the 70s, there, there was the horrendous true crime case of John Wayne Gacy, you know, the killer clown. In the 80s, Stephen King spun, spun his own version of that idea with, of course, Pennywise and the It uh, novel. Now the kids who grow, grew up in the in the shadow of such stories, they're now making horror movies of their own, and that's why we get the Black Phone, which reunites Ethan Hawke with Sinister's director, and I think that's why we have uh, many similarities between Sinister 
and the black phone, you know, visually. And, and, and there's a few other things I'll touch base on, too. But together they bring to life this short story by Joe Hill. And if you don't know who Joe Hill is, he is Stephen King's son. And while this creative collision of the, the director of Sinister and Ethan Hawke sounds like it would make for a great movie... You know, I gotta be honest, despite all the hype, the black phone is infuriatingly undercooked. It's like, it just misses the mark. The The beginning of the film offers up an extended and boring credit sequence that we, as horror movie fans, have seen dozens of times over, man, with the use of creepy old film newspaper articles and and, you know just that sequence you see so often that just reminds you of something Marilyn Manson would use for a music video I'm not sure where my expectations for this film developed but I think they derived from simply seeing the variations of that mask because let's face it that mask is haunting it's cool it's different However, the the expectations I had going into the black phone nearly ruined the film for me. I was under the impression that this film was going to be a flat-out, balls-to-the-wall horror film. But in the end, honestly, it just came off as an episode of NCIS or or Law & Order to me. Um, And it could be partly because I'm very desensitized when it comes to the horror genre. But this was just more of like a crime thriller type film to me. And as I alluded to, the film wasn't sure which direction to go. We, we, we have a child abductor known as the Grabber. He holds them captive in his basement. Why? I have no idea. And, and neither will you. They never give a clear explanation as to why the Grabber is doing what he is doing. They do very poorly imply child molestation but other than subtle hints here and there throughout the movie nothing is ever acted out on besides dialogue that could or couldn't be implying child molestation so you don't ever see anything like that there's it's just a few just subtle phrases but you have the grabber snatching kids throughout this small town, driving around in his stereotypical rapist van that nobody seems to ever pay much attention to. I mean, it's it's just like a sore thumb. It stands right out. In the basement, uh, there's a mattress uh, and, of course, the curious black phone attached to a wall that is clearly disconnected from the real world service. But this is where the ghosts come in. <laughs> yes, we have ghosts. We have ghosts. Ghosts ghosts of all the children that the grabber abducted and murdered. The ghosts use the black phone to guide the grabber's latest abductee, a kid known as Finny. What's interesting, though, is each ghost that calls him suggests a different manner of escaping the basement. The only problem is that the children before him failed at their escape attempts, so Finney is just simply recreating their failures to only fail himself with each and every attempt to escape. Some of these are absolutely the most ridiculous escape methods you'll ever hear or see (laughs) in a film like this. One ghost suggests that Finney dig a hole in the basement uh, to go underneath the house and escape Do you know how long it would take this kid to do that, let alone do it undetected? 
you, you're going to find yourself scratching your head as to why he even attempts to do this. However, the one thing that the film does pull off well is intertwining all of those escape suggestions into the final climatic moment of the film where everything comes together. Uh, the cinematography is good, and so is the acting. I mean, I truly felt for this kid. The, the character of Finney was certainly the standout performance, even if they did go out of their way to make him act like uh, a character from Stranger Things. Um, you know, that's kind of what's hot right now. You know, st- everything's emulating Stranger Things, which is only em- emulating what came out of the 80s. So it's like everything's come full circle, and it's it's like the character of Finney just walked out of Stranger Things and into the black phone. Um, although he's not actually in Stranger Things, you will get that feel. Um, kind of like the new Ghostbusters did the same thing. Um, the production is what you would expect from a film like this, and there are some pretty cool sequences. I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan, and one of the more trippier sequences uses Pink Floyd's On the Run, and it was really cool. It was kind of like, you know, when, when Stranger Things did that sequence with Metallica's Master of Puppets, it kind of gave the song its own music video. And uh, sadly, though, I can't say much about Ethan Hawke. He's a great actor, and, and I keep reading all over the internet all of these people just praising his performance as the grabber. And, well, I scratch my head, like, you know, what performance? I mean, he's a great actor, but 95% of the movie was him in a variation of The Mask with very simple dialogue, very little emotion, not much of a performance, to be honest. I think they put all of their stock in The Mask and in the, the creepy atmosphere it creates, even when the grabber is just sitting there staring. He's more menacing, uh, just being quiet, which which leads me to some very unbelievable revelations during uh this movie I, I need my horror movies to be believable in order for it to be scary it must be believable to me and like i said the kid playing finney won me over with his fear and his survival but there were plenty of dumb moments in this movie and you know sometimes i can excuse those moments because other things make up for it but other things you're just like why was that even necessary? The grabber lives with his brother. Okay, only his brother has no clue that he is the grabber. So wrap your head around that one for a minute. The grabber's abducting kids, drives a rapist van, brings them into the house, stores them in the basement, and of all things, walks around the house with this grabber mask on, or at least a variation of it. I mean, there are even moments in this movie where the grabber just sits in the kitchen with the mask on, staring at the basement door all night long, waiting for Finney to try to escape just so he can whack him um, with, with a belt. And it's like, so I, I'm, I'm supposed to believe that his brother never gets up in the middle of the night, never has ever one time decided to go to the basement of the house he lives in. I mean, it just, you have to really like... You just got to let that one go because the character of the brother could easily have been written out and the movie would not have missed a beat. There's really no point to his character. So see if you can get past that little bit. But then we have Finney's little sister 
who apparently is like a clairvoyant or a psychic. I think I would lean more towards clairvoyant. For yet another unexplained reason, she can dream about the grabber and see details about him in this case that nobody else can. The only thing that is said about her gift um, comes from her father and Finney's father, where, where he was claiming that their mother had the same gift and it drove her to suicide. So, of course, he doesn't want to see his daughter grow up believing that these dreams are really telling her something, when in reality, they, they are. So, the movie gives us all of these juicy storylines, but then never develops. It never develops them beyond an idea. So, we've got the little sister who is working with police, to guide them in finding the grabber and her missing brother. Again, entirely unbelievable and just kind of stupid for them to expect us to believe that the police would even remotely entertain this little girl's dreams. But they do, nonetheless. In the end, we never learn why the grabber even does what he does. We never learn a motive. We never learn as to why Finney's sister can dream about the grabber and the dead children. What's the connection there? We don't get any. We never learn what the black phone actually is or why it's even there in the basement to begin with. You hear a couple subtle little phrases from the grabber like, oh, that phone hasn't worked in such and such a long time, whatever. But that still doesn't tell me anything about the phone. And for a prop... That also acts as the title of the movie. They, they honestly dropped the ball on that one. So ghost kids can communicate through it. Okay. Why? How? Where did this phone come from to have such supernatural power? Lots of questions and lots of head scratching by the end of the film. The black phone is cloaked as a semi-paranormal serial criminal flick. That's what it is. There's gore. There's plenty of gore. And it's collateral to the story. Um, Character development is really what takes precedent in this film. And by no means does the film disregard thrilling you. I mean, but again, it's from a thriller standpoint or a what would I do in that kind of scenario standpoint. Rather, your attention, it's shoved towards purposely to Finney. And the strength of the film's skillfully crafted suspense does get you. Because you really feel for this kid. This kid deserves an award for his performance, in my opinion. And if you didn't know, uh, The Black Phone is based on the short story of the same name, written by Joe Hill, who, who I mentioned is the son of Stephen King. So The Black Phone chronicles a, suspensive, a suspenseful tale of the grabber. A child killer who snatches teen boys in broad daylight never to be seen again. Now, with that being said, if somebody were to ask me what this movie was about, I'd say it's a movie about survival, parental abuse, retribution, strategy, overcoming your own fears, and standing up for yourself. That's what I would say this movie is about. It's a supernatural, haunted, serial-killing, child-abducting movie (laughs) that honestly never delivers a point. I mean, what was the point? I'm still sitting here trying to figure that out. My takeaway was that even a bullied kid can take on the impossible and win. Isn't that what all of these movies are about? So that's it. 
that's how I walked away from this film. I didn't feel like I just watched a horror film like I alluded to earlier. It felt like an episode of an investigative show more than anything. I was honestly expecting Leroy, Jethro Gibbs, or Ice-T to come busting through the door at any moment and, you know, save the day. Because it just kind of feels like a bigger budget uh, TV episode of a criminal justice show. I think this is a film that could have been much stronger had it tied up the loose ends and had a more true-to-the-story marketing campaign. It's just not a film I'll watch again, and that's kind of a shame because I like Ethan Hawke and I like movies like this. And and I will say there is a perfect opportunity um, to offer up a prequel film to answer all of the questions you'll have after you watch it. A prequel would also help boost uh, the black phone's substance. Otherwise, it makes little sense. There are no answers to anything. And sometimes that's good and can work to a film's benefit. But in this case, it, it just doesn't. And nearly two hours more time should have been spent developing the grabber and setting the stage for the story to come. Because right now, all I can say about the guy is he's a serial killer. That targets children to instill discipline. And that's it. In the end, the black phone feels like a miss almost across the board, despite the rave reviews. And I, I kind of feel like the outcast here, or an elitist, but I just I just couldn't get it. I couldn't get into it. But give it a stream. See what you guys think. For a one-time watch, it is entertaining and certainly not a waste of time. It's just it just wasn't what I expected. It's a standalone film in desperate in desperate need of a prequel to justify its own existence. And that's kind of a first for me. Um a first for a film, at least one that that I've watched and reviewed. You know, but before I send you on your way, I do like to throw in some trivia about a film because who doesn't love trivia? So, many people are asking is the black phone based on a true story? And the answer to that is very, very, very loosely. Um, I, I think you could tie this story to so many, or tie this movie to so many um, child abduction stories. You could make it work. Um, but this film in particular kind of referenced um, a kid by the name of Johnny Ghosh. Uh, he was a paper boy from Iowa. Um, who, who was on his route with his dog and both him and the dog disappeared. The dog was later found, but Johnny's disappearance remains unsolved even to this day. So very, very loosely based. Um, there are many little Easter eggs throughout the film that reference Sinister, which, like I said, did involve both Ethan Hawke and the director of this film. Um, there's a lot, you know, uh, artistically, there's a large crack through the wall in the basement right by the phone and it's clearly a callback to the the sinister movie poster um the grabber himself is based on real life serial killers um ted bundy john wayne gacy and jeffrey dahmer ted bundy would use a ruse to to lure victims to help him like he, he was impotent he needed help he was disabled and he would bring them close to him and then throw them in his vehicle well, the grabber does the same thing. He's a magician. 
kind of drops his stuff and gets kids to help him pick it up, and that's when he snatches them. Same same idea. T- you know, uh, John Wayne Gacy used a belt on his victims. The grabber does the same thing. And uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, if you remember the story with Jeffrey, um, he actually had a victim escape to only get caught by him again. And they kind of pay tribute to that. I guess it tributes the word you want to use. Um, in the in the film, they, the black phone, the kid escapes. And, of course, the grabber catches up with him and brings him right on back. So there, there's your little serial killer trivia. Um, but I'll leave some for you to find on your own because there are a lot of Stephen King references in this movie, which is clearly because it's based on his son's short story but with all of that being said my friends the black phone took just about every cliche you can think of with a horror movie and crammed it all into one nearly two hour movie that boils down to a kid's journey through finding himself and becoming what he needs to become to save his own life from a serial killer so thanks for tuning in to this episode of the streaming screaming horror movie review podcast I'm Stephen Lancaster. Please stay tuned. More streaming screaming coming your way.